Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. I'm your host, James Scott, here to analyze anything and everything interesting. Let's dig into today's topics. So I, I feel like we have to kind of talk about this. So like the way that James and I record this podcast is we meet over Zoom. We talk about what the episode is going to be about, what we're planning to talk about and stuff like that and everything. And so it seems like Zoom has added this new feature where they added a voice um, <laughs> that goes, that, that just says, this meeting is being recorded. And it just like, <laughs> it takes us by surprise every single time that we hit record and we get ready for an episode. And recording we just both- in progress. <laughs> yeah, the recording <laughs> is in progress. And it's like, we just both stare at each other. Like, did you hear that? Like, well, well, I mean, I watched uh, I watched Terminator like a couple of them earlier today, so I'm just like dun 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 dun. dun. Yeah, so you're 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 ready. You're ready for the machines. You're absolutely ready for the machines. I, however, am not. I did not prepare myself with Terminator. No, well, they started in Silicon Valley. Now they're coming for Arizona. The, they'll get you next week. Okay, <laughs> they'll get they'll, they'll get to me to by next Coast. week. Yes, they'll yeah, make they'll, it to the East Coast. <laughs> well, I mean, if that's not, not an intro to an episode, I don't know we're what not, else is. <laughs> we're, nuts. We're, 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 we're off the rails. Goodness gracious. Oh, my goodness. James, what's new this week? <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, Yasiel Puig got into his first fight in the Mexican League, and it was amazing. Um, <laughs> I feel like I saw this somewhere. Oh, man. It was so... <laughs> It was a typical Puig moment. So first off, the pitcher who like looks all of like 17 years old or something uh -huh. like that. Absolute string bean of a, of, a, of a kid throwing, you know, probably what, 95 miles an hour or something mm -hmm. like that. He, he looked like he was one of those types. So uh, maybe 93. I don't know. But oh, my God. So like this is the Mexican League. OK, this is not big league baseball, but like. <laughs> So pool, I was almost, almost going to say pools. Uh, that, that's another guy I want to bring up in a moment. But um, yeah, because something happened really interesting with, with pools earlier this week as well, which is kind of fun. But um, Puig comes in there, right? And he takes a pitch. I don't know if it was mid at bat. I think it was actually mid. No, no, it was mid at bat. What am I talking about? So he takes a pitch mid at bat, right? That is like low and away and pretty clearly if you had a major league umpire in there that's a ball okay mm -hmm. in the mexican league you know you can frame that and, you know you get that called for you but so they framed it and Puig kind of just stands in there and the umpire takes forever mind you with this call so umpire comes in strike but meanwhile before the umpire can even get into his strike call Puig starts pointing at where the ball went and, and basically saying, you know, throw me a strike, throw me a strike. Mm -hmm. You know, the umpire just called the strike. He's like, throw me a strike. I want something to hit. I want something to hit. And, and like, literally the bench is cleared over this. <laughs> he was, because Puig was so angry about not getting a strike. And like, you guys, like, like all y'all know, okay. I love Puig. Uh, I, Puig's my guy. Um, I'm not even that upset at him here. You know, this is a guy who's doing everything he can to make his way back to the big leagues. And, you know, if you're going in there pitching against Puig, 
you know, the eyes are on you too. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not pitching around Puig unless it's a situation that demands that, you know, Puig wants to be challenged, you know, just throw, throw strikes, dude. You know, you, do you want to impress anyone around you? So I would be a little bit frustrated. Puig should be in the big leagues. He should not be playing in the Mexican league. Um, I don't know whether he's starting off slow. That also can add to frustrations. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it's Puig. So, you know, it could be Puig being Puig, but also at the same time that like, you know, if you're in, if you're in the Mexican league, you're close to the big leagues. You're, you're, you're like in triple A, you're in a triple A level league. So I, I just, it challenge the guy, man. I mean, I, I guess, you know, you could also write it up to the pitcher just being wild, but like, you you get what I'm saying. I get what you're yeah. saying. No, I, I so, understand what you're saying. Yeah. Now to to move on to you know the the, the other player with the name begins well last name that begins with a P. Pools. So Pools was has been with the Dodgers for like a week now, two weeks now, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And he's already having like pretty big moments. Like if we're being honest about Puig, like. Or not uh, Pujols. Man, I'm switching both of them up today. You We're are. being honest about Pujols. Pujols <laughs> has had like a couple like really big, like not necessarily hits, but moments where they either could have been hits or they were hits mm-hmm. already in Dodger uniform like this early on. Um, however, former Yankee Mike Talkman robbed Pujols from a game-winning home run the other day. Uh, in the interdivisional matchup between the Giants and the Dodgers. So that was definitely something that I want to bring attention to because I went and I saw an Angels game. You know, I told, I told everybody about this. You know, we talked about this here as last game that Pools was, you know, an Angel for. In center field, they have a thing up for how many uh, home runs, you know, he's at on the home run list depending on how much lineup protection he could get for the Dodgers, he actually might be able to ascend more slots on that list than we're used to. He's going back to the NL, which is where he's more comfortable anyway. He's getting more lineup protection because the angels were injured and, you know, not completely on all cylinders at that point in time. Um, The league doesn't really know him. And, um, um, yeah, no, Pools absolutely represents a, fa- a fantastic fit on the Dodgers. Um, I think he really balances out their lineup, especially Muncy. Muncy being that clutch, patient uh, lefty that is really, really, you know, big in the playoffs. And now Pools, in theory, in that playoff lineup, in his last year in the show, he could be a really big factor. So, those are the main things that I wanted to bring up this week um, that pools may actually play a factor this year. I haven't really seen that been talked about anywhere. Like, you know, most people say that he's just joining the Dodgers to be like a bench piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he could actually play a role in playoffs. I think he could actually be an effectual player. Doesn't mean that I think he's a top 200 or top, top 250 player or anything like that. I don't even think he's a top 20 first baseman. I don't even think he's a top, mm-hmm. you know, like, He's probably a bottom five first baseman, yeah, as yeah. is. It's just because of who he can be in those big moments, he might have a very big role with a team like the Dodgers. So keep your eye out for that, especially with how well he fits their lineup. Him and Muncie are literally made to bat back-to-back with each other. It's literally a perfect combination. 
whether you're going to use, I, mean, I would use that probably going into the bottom part of the order, six, seven, you know, and then you have your pitcher eighth and then you turn it over with the secondary leadoff hitter in the nine spot. Um, Cause remember NL no DH this year. So, um, but I mean, that's probably how I just do things at, at this point. I mean, you got to remember that the Dodgers are getting a few people back healthy and, and Gavin Lux has been really doing well for them. Uh, Pollock is doing well for them. Taylor is doing well for them. Betts is Betts. You know, you know, he's doing, he's doing well now, but you know, he's going to come around the corner as the season progresses. Uh, Will Smith has gotten better as the season gone has gone on. I think he's, he's starting to, prove me a little bit wrong with the bat, but not necessarily by a lot, maybe by like three or four percentage points. Cause I thought he was maybe like a, a 126 WRC plus and he's closer to a 130. But um you know I, I think that's just a, a, a little observation that I want to make about the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers are just so loaded. And Chris Taylor he had like a 17 pitch at bat the other day and then had a bases clearing i think it was a double i mean dodgers are loaded they're absolutely loaded i think justin turner's starting to turn it on no pun intended um but yeah no um those are the main notes for the week um mainly dodger notes that's interesting because puig started as a dodger you know so just interesting interesting dodger notes to start the week um so chris we were talking about this like on the pre-show and I realized that, you know, we were going to do a pitcher show where I talked about specifically the pitchers mm-hmm. um, that made the preseason list. And I realized that I never completely got around to that. Um, so I figured, you know, I mean, before it gets like straight into the middle of June and whatnot, I mean, I, I'm kind of like, how did we not get around to that, you know, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I have I have the preseason list, you know, so um I'm going to first bring up the guys that are still good. Then I'm going to bring up the guys that got good. And, you know, you know, on on my current list, you know, jumped onto it, you know? And in addition to that, I'm going to bring up the guys who I thought were going to be really good and completely failed. We talked about this a little bit on, I I believe our last show. It was like two shows ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's start with relievers. So the relievers that I had on my list, I had Chapman. That's an obvious one. I had Emmanuel Classe. Uh, he's a stud for Cleveland. Walks a little bit too many, but like tons of ground balls, throws 100 miles an hour. Um, you got Josh Hader, stud. You got Mark Melanson. Um, he was a guy who I've been big on a while, like, like for, for a very long time. Uh, but Melanson in recent years, like his, his, his underlying analytics have not looked good, but he's never been a guy who succeeded because he's like so dominant in strikeouts. Mm-hmm. He's always been a guy who got weak contact and that's how he's been able to be as good as he's been. Um, then we got Richard Rodriguez, who's emerged as an incredible closer for the pirates. this year. I would like to say that was one of my best relief calls, uh, of all of these guys, uh, Edwin Diaz. I thought that was a fairly straightforward one. Liam Hendricks, another straightforward one. Ryan Presley, another straightforward one. Um, I did not call Craig Kimbrell, which I, you know, I, I, that's one that I obvious miss. I I, should have had him on there. 
saw the the higher levels of walks. I saw, you know, the recent performance. Um, and, you know, I thought he was just, you know, starting to be done. But, no, I think he's got a few more years in him, especially with how dominant he's been this year. Um, I did not call Ian Kennedy, and I did not call Matt Barnes. So those are two more closers that have really emerged. Um, well, the main three closers that I missed that are, that are the elite ones are those guys um, as far as guys who jumped onto the list. Now, the relievers that I thought were going to be really good that ended up not really being so good are guys like, so far, Jake McGee. Brad Hand, Sean Doolittle, Rysel Iglesias, uh, Aaron Bummer, and Devin Williams. So a lot of these guys, it's mainly because of walks, and a lot of the others have been mainly home runs. Um, it's a trend that we've been looking into, um, specifically this year with lefties who have breaking balls that are from high and away to low inside. You're seeing, I think, because of, you know, balls, the, 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 the ball, the, the density of the, the baseballs has changed. And we talked about juice balls and the effect of, of the balls in the league. I don't know if I've talked to you about this, Chris, but think about it this way, right? When the balls are more dense, right? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to the seams? When the ball's juiced, the seams are going to be risen. Mm-hmm. When the ball's not juiced, the seams are going to be lower. So when you have guys who have breaking balls that move that way, they move that way because they have so much spin. So now they don't have the same amount of cut because the seams are not as raised. So those are drifting into the strike zone, specifically from lefties in a league of power hitting righties. You're going to get torched Mm -hmm. um, if you can't get those to sharply break. So you're seeing across the board pitchers uh, who throw that pitch literally getting lit up. Not the best of the best, but like even, you know, just decent arms. And I think they're going to have to make an adjustment or just like get stronger as the season goes on to put the amount of uh, rotations in order to have that kind of effect that you'd need. So they're either going to need really big second halves to make up for how they started, or I don't know, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that develops, but it's definitely an observable trend of a whole bunch of really good left-handed pitchers who are having the same problem with the same pitch with a different ball. And I think it's the seams. I think it's the, the amount of rotations that you could put on the ball when the seams are raised versus, you know, so, and, I, and that in relation to handedness, the league of power hitting righties, you know, they stay away from mainly lefties these days because they hit them straight into the shift. So, uh, they do, they do, they, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, as we move into middle relievers, these are the, the middle relievers, which I've been successful about with the calls as well. Now, first thing I want to note here is um, the players that, you know, were clear misses, the, the Devin Williams is the Aaron Bummers, the Rice Iglesias is the Doolittles, the hands, a bunch of those, you know, the, the McGee's a bunch of those aren't closers but I'm kind of throwing them all into the same group. And I wanted to name the closers first and kind of separate them out that way. Uh, for middle relievers, actually, I think, isn't Taylor Rogers now moving into the closer role? I think that's the official thing. He's been alternating with Colum. I remember that was the, the plan early on in the season. So 
he might now be a closer. So there's that. Um, and I think Kareem Shack actually might have rotated in with Class A and replaced him at this point. So I'm going to have to update that. But Trevor May, he made my early season list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giovanni Gallegos made my early season list. Um, Drew Pomeranz made my early season list. Blake Trennan made my early season list. Uh, Seth Lugo made my early season list. Uh, although he'll be back from injury if he's not already. I, I don't think he's back yet, though. Um, O'Day, he'll be back soon or within the next three weeks. Um, Zach Britton, who, like, he'll be back also right around the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, even 40 innings out of either of those two guys, O'Day or Britton, given the caliber of reliever that they are, it's going to be enough. So even though they've been out for a while, I, you know, I still, I'm, I still have them on the list as guys who I'm pretty sure are going to be fine because they've been fine their whole career. Um, got Yosemuro Petit, who's one of my favorite relievers. A lot of people completely underrate him because he's a weak contact guy. The underlying statistics say that he shouldn't be nearly as good as he is year in, year out. One year, it's going to be really ugly. Thank goodness it's not this year. Um, one year, the weak contact's going to go to hard contact, and he's going to have nothing left uh, to lean back on, and it's going to be really ugly, but not this year. Um, Gratterall, who I believe had a scoreless inning uh, in AAA recently. So Gratterall, Ruzdar Gratterall of the Dodgers, he's going to be up, another Dodgers player. He's going to be up playing for the Dodgers probably within the month. He's another guy right up there with Britton and O'Day where, like, I just think he's just going to dominate. And, and even though O'Day and Britton, they have a whole career of doing that to, to lean back on, Gratterall reminds me of Jabba Chamberlain. I don't know if I've seen anyone with that kind of stuff in the middle innings without being, you know, six foot four, six foot three uh, in years. I mean, he's very compact. He throws strikes. He throws hard. He throws with movement. He throws with confidence. And um, he seems perfectly fine with just getting outs and not relying on the strikeout, which in my opinion makes him even more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, this weak contact, weak contact, weak contact. I mean, he, he might be able to go at best two innings at a time, maybe. Although with his injury history, I think he might want to lay off that a little bit. He's too special of an arm. Um, and then, um, yeah, that's, that's all of my relievers from before the year. So I did pretty good as far as relievers go. Um, as far as starters go, Chris, should I do it reverse? Should I, should I name the, the starters who I've been completely wrong about first? Yeah. Yeah. Go reverse. Uh, all right. So, uh, we got Dylan Bundy, mm-hmm. um, Total miss on him. Strikeout rate's there. The walk rate's there. Uh, he's just al- allowing way too hard contact. So that's that, that sucks. Um, got Patrick Corbin. He's another one of those lefties with the, the breaking ball that, that moves that way. Mm. Uh, let me just rattle those guys off. So Corbin, Snell, Dallas Keuchel, Drew Smiley, Madison Bumgarner, who's had moments of really being good, and I'm sure he would have been able to continue them if not for, you know, being that type of pitcher. Uh, and those are the starters, you know, if we're, if we're looking back at the relievers that I just went through, the relievers that missed that have that same issue, Sean Doolittle, Brad Hand, um, McGee maybe? I got to look into that. Maybe McGee. 
So it's, it's really a common issue this year. So um, I think it has something to do with the balls. So outside of all of those guys, um, you know, Snell was, he's missing the zone all the time. You know, Keiko, he's not getting any sort of swings and misses. Uh, Smiley is just not doing seemingly anything right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Mad Bum is alternating having like five really good starts with like some really, really genuinely terrible starts. So that is what it is. So outside them, Charlie Morton has looked like a shell of himself. I won't say complete shell of himself, but like close to a shell of himself. This is a guy I thought was going to be a top 15 pitcher, and he's been closer to like a number three starter, which is, I don't mean number three starter, like as in the third best starter in baseball. I mean like a number three starter in his own rotation. Uh, that's not good. That's not good. And at, his, at his age, it, it does make sense. The fastball velocity has declined a little bit. So that does make sense. Um, and he is a guy who got by with a lot of spin and, you know, the, the, the seams going down in addition to the velocity going down, it's a double, you know, two factors, you know, and um, Kyle Hendricks, he's allowing way too many homers. Uh, walking a, more than we typically expect from him and striking out, you know, he's Kyle Hendricks. He's not going to strike out a ton of guys. Um, then we got Luis Castillo, who's not doing anything right either. He's reverted into being basically a two-pitch pitcher because, you know, his third pitch has no movement on it now and he's not getting swings and misses. So the strikeout rate is down. Home runs are up. He's got no good defense behind him. It's just it's a total mess. It's a total mess. Um, Kenta Maeda is similar. He's not getting any weak contact and he's not getting any swing and miss. So two factors again. Um, yeah. And those are like all of the main misses as far as starting pitchers are, you know, involved. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, 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 if we're talking about, you know, big injuries for either relievers or starting pitchers that, that impacted things, Tommy John surgery, James Paxton, although truth be told, if James Paxton was playing, he'd probably have the same issue as all of those other lefties because that's his breaking ball as well. Um, And then Jordan Hicks of the Cardinals, he may even end up playing. I hear that he's getting uh, a plasma treatment on his throwing elbow uh, instead of trying to, you know, get a second Tommy John in a row. Uh, but, you know, who knows if that's going to work. So they're going to get him that treatment. Then it looks like they're going to give him like a month and, and work his way back. But I don't know if that seems like the best idea for a guy with his level of talent. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. If, that, if it works, then, you know, he can jump back onto the list. He's a guy who could throw 100 and whatever miles an hour, 103 miles an hour. Um, So now let's talk about the guys who jumped onto the list that I was not expecting to be this good. Um, Taiwan Walker. I mean, I liked the guy and we talked with, you know, John about him actually. And, you know, I've said this about him. He doesn't really care about how he gets out. He doesn't care about walking people. He doesn't care about, um, he doesn't really care about those types of things. Um, it's all about just getting outs. It's, it's, it's not about, um, anything but getting outs. Like he's, he's completely okay. Just kind of walking, like 
his his walk rate is basically half his strikeout rate. That's a problem, okay? But at the same time, he's getting so much weak contact. No one's hitting home runs against him. Nothing he's, that's hit into play is doing anything. His ERA, I believe, is in the ones or low, low twos. He was a former top prospect, so this was clearly, like, on the board. But he's developed into a really unique pitcher and probably – a more dangerous one because who's to say he can't, you know, improve control and command from here. And now you have the strikeouts, you have the weak contact, and then he's not walking anyone. So you're looking at a really special arm. So um, completely missed him. Great arm. Uh, I should have had him on here. Uh, Then we got Freddie Peralta uh, of the Brewers converted reliever. He was in the minors. Actually, he was a starter. And they kind of just let him go this year. And he's been incredible. Another guy who hasn't really cared about how many walks he's been getting, but it's more because he's reaching such a high number of strikeouts. Um, It's not necessarily been about just getting outs the way it has been for Taiwan Walker. Um, So Freddie Peralta, also a miss. He's part of uh, probably the best three-person rotation in baseball, like as top three, if you're going to call it anything. Uh, in baseball, which involves, you know, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin mm-hmm. Burns, and him. So um, outside of Walker and Peralta, then we got uh, Carlos Rodon of the White Sox. Missed on him. Uh, I thought he was walking a little bit too many, and I thought that, you know, too much could go wrong with the profile, so I didn't feel comfortable betting on it. Mm. He's been absolutely That's fair. incredible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing for the last two guys, too. Um, I just didn't feel comfortable betting on him, betting on either of those approaches. Um, I was wrong. Uh, then you got, I believe his, his is it Alec Manoa. Yeah, I think it's Alec Manoa, not Alex Manoa. Someone told me it was Alex Manoa. I'm like, no, I think it's Alec Manoa. Um, he went up against the, the Yankees the other day and massacred them. And uh <laughs> Yeah, he did the same thing to them in spring training with their A lineup, with an even you know healthier lineup than what they have now. And um, he was incredible in AAA leading up to that start. Um, all these scouts, including myself, have been raving about him. Um, I think he's going to do fine. I think as long as he maintains, you know, this consistency with how he's been approaching games and attacking hitters. I think that he absolutely has to make this list. And I think it's more of, this is more of, I know what he's going to do moving forward. And based off of what we've seen and based off of his AAA numbers and scouting report, so on and so forth, that I know this is going to be a miss for me because he's tracking that way. So um, I'm counting it. Uh, And then we got Pablo Lopez of the Marlins um, absolutely did not expect him to be this good. Absolutely did not expect an ERA in the twos. Um, incredible. Like I, I, a lot of spin hits locations perfectly. People have a hard time squaring him up. He's, he's absolutely jumped onto the list. I, 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 I completely missed him completely and utterly missed it. Uh, now if we're talking about all of the starting pitchers that I was right about, you got to remember like 
I put Bundy on the list because I had mm-hmm. Gaussman on the list. Gaussman did great last year in a small sample size. Bundy did great on a small sample size. So that's how I called uh, Gaussman. So instead of saying, oh, how'd you call Gaussman? Well, I called Bundy too. I was wrong about him. So I was about 50% right on, on those two guys who I, I viewed at roughly around the same level. I was wrong about one, clearly. Very right about the other. Um, DeGrom's an easy one. Scherzer's easy. Strasburg will be back and playing enough this year. We're not worried about it. Uh, he actually is back. What am I talking about? He's got two starts in, maybe three now. Whatever. Um, Darvish, ace. Uh, Corbin Burns, believe it or not, I believe that last year was for real. I had no clue he'd be anything close to this. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he was going to be a two-starter. And he's been a clear number one. I thought he was going to be a guy who could kind of like in, in the right rotation would be more of an elite number three. And he's been a one. So even though, you know, I, I called him, I did not call this. Um, Joe Musgrove, my boy. Yes. He, another guy, uh, Denelson Lamette. He's going to continue to have a low ERA as the season goes on. He's tracking well. Um, the injuries have kind of gotten the way, but he's fine now. So is what it is. Uh, Bueller's been an ace. Bauer. Cindergard's uh, going to play enough, in my opinion, for the rest of the season, that if you're going to have Britton and O'Day on the list, you're going to have Cindergard and Severino on the list. So Severino, same. Uh, Wheeler's been awesome. Stroman's been a weak contact pitcher, been amazing. Uh, Zach Gallon, I think he's going to play enough this year that there's another guy. Uh, Carrasco, same deal. Chris Bassett, love the guy. A bunch of my friends didn't like him as much as I did. Uh, Aaron Nola, obvious one. Woodruff, I thought, was going to be a two, and he's been a one. So another Brewers starter that exceeded my expectations. All three of them, Freddie Peralta, Woodruff, Burns, mm-hmm. absolutely exceeded my expectations. Um, Ian Anderson, Lance Lynn, um, Kershaw, that's an easy one. Uh, Bieber, Cole, easy ones. Uh, Flaherty, um, Julio Urias, even, the, even, though, even with you know, the limited amount of innings. Like I said, if you're going to put Britton on there and O'Day on there, then you kind of got to put Julio Urias on there, even with the innings limit. Um, at the very end of my list, like at the very last edits, I added glass now because of the third pitch. And again, this is before opening day, mind you. And I added Trevor Rogers because he had had such a killer spring training. And because last year he had only really had like two bad starts, but it affected the whole year because starting pitchers don't play that much and, you know, shorten year. Um, so believe it or not, they made my list, but they were at the very bottom of my list. Um, Hunjin Ru, that's an obvious one. Max Fried actually called his breakout last year. So I kind of hung on to him. And, you know, I was worried he was not, he was going to be another one of those lefties that was completely messed up because of the breaking ball, but he came back from his injury and he's been pretty darn good. So I'm, I'm still counting him. I think he'll be fine. Um, Framber Valdez, who I, I thought he was going to be out the whole year. I, remember we had this conversation about like, mm-hmm. how does Framber Valdez break a finger and he's out the whole year? Well, he's back. So completely terrible reporting. Don't know what, you know, like, what are you thinking? You know, so Valdez, he made my preseason list initially, but I was like, ah, injury. So there's a guy. 
Uh, Giolito, it's interesting. Um, Giolito, the first like five starts, six starts, something like that was terrible. And then the most recent few starts, he's been incredible. If you divide it up month by month, basically since the calendar month changed, he's been, he's been fine. So I was worried about him being a miss. No, he's going to be a good hit for me. Um, then you got uh, Jamison Tyone, who's not doing well now, but it's because he has everything working for him post Tommy John, except for the command. So he's throwing in the zone. He's just not throwing where he wants in the zone and it's getting tattooed. So uh, he's been working on it a lot more recently, improving in short order. Then we got Michael Kopech, uh, one of my favorite pitchers in baseball, throws well over 100 miles an hour. I didn't know whether he was going to be a reliever or a starter. He's kind of gone between both, but I'm counting him right now as a starter because in the playoffs, he's probably going to be used as a starter. I don't know. Maybe they'll use him as a reliever in multiple innings, but he's amazing, throws over 100 miles an hour, a lot of attitude, love it. Uh, so I've been right about him. Rich Hill was also one of my late ads, mainly because, you know, when you're looking at pitchers, right, certain pitchers are weak contact inducers. Rich Hill is one of those guys. He always has been. So he's always going to have a lower ERA than his analytics show. So if the strikeout rate's there, the walk rate's there, weak contact rates are there, you should expect an ERA similar to what he usually does. And those rates are there. And Tampa Bay analytical picked him up. So expected more of the same. I was worried because he's a lefty pitcher with that breaking ball that he was going to be another one of those guys that I missed on. Not the case. He's gone off recently. Mm. And, um, you know, Rich Hill's basically become a baseball meme online for whatever reason. So Rich Hill. Um, so he's on the list. Um, Michael Pineda. Uh, I, I've been watching this guy's whole career. ERA's gone down each of the last few years. Because just like, you know, Rich Hill, he doesn't really, actually, it's really more like uh, a couple of the other guys on the list who don't get as much strikeouts. Pineda just puts it in the zone and tries to get weak contact. He doesn't even care if it's not ground ball contact. As long as he's just getting outs, that's all he cares about. So a little bit like Walker, but with less strikeouts and less walks. That's interesting. Very similar to Walker, actually. Um, so Pineda has been fantastic this year. Um, Kluber around the two months that he's going to miss due to injury has been fantastic. So he's another guy that I was big on before the year. Of course I was Yankee fan here. Um, so that's another guy. Uh, Sixto Sanchez, um, I think is going to get called up and be really good this year. Same thing with Nate Pearson. Both of those guys were guys where I was just kind of being like, well, with the kind of pitcher that they are, the kind of prospect that they are, Sixto with his first big league performance being that good, despite not really 100% being ready. And um, with uh, um, Pearson um, being a guy who throws like 102 miles an hour as a starter with three working pitches, at least three. Um, I figured that this year they were both going to get enough time uh, at some point later on in the year um, to really put in some, some production. <clears throat> Uh, then you got Zach Greinke, who split basically all of his starts between bad and really good. So as the year goes on, look, he's Zach Greinke. He's going to be the same guy. Um, then you got Jesus Lazardo, who, frankly, there's just not been enough playing time around the injury. And then Tristan McKenzie, who uncharacteristically is walking the world 
And recently he had a really good start because they were threatening to send him down and then someone got injured. So I think McKenzie, you know, he's going to put the pressure on himself. He's going to stop pressing and he's going to hit the zone a lot more like he did in the minors. Uh, as long as McKenzie can stay healthy or at least, you know, get his numbers back where we know the numbers can be. Um, McKenzie's still in line to basically be the guy we want him to be. It's just, it might take quicksand to the minor leagues, three starts in the minor leagues. Like basically, um, you know, you, you send your, your car in to get a tune up, right? It's the same kind of deal here. Send him in, you get a little quick tune up and he comes back and now he's firing like a Ferrari. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you know, like a sports car. So um, I'm not, I, I don't think the walks are for real. They came out of nowhere. And uh, that's all of our pitchers. That's everyone. So um, I'd like to think I did really good with regards to the pitching. You did. But then I go and I look at the misses and mm. I'm just like, uh, but again, like a lot of these misses, nobody could have seen coming at all. Like almost like half of them. Corbin. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. Corbin. It's like, yeah. All right. Well, that's what I got for today, Chris. I mean, that all sounds perfect to me before we wrap up. Don't forget hit that subscribe button, head on over to the YouTube, make sure you hit that bell, hit subscribe, stay tuned, join us on our live streams. Our live streams are always great. And we're going to try and do sound effects next time. I'm down. See you on the next video. Later.